It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, Matt Hausman, Smart Money Questions Podcast and owner and creator of smartmoneyquestions.com. Today, I have a great guest. He has a great subject that he talks about, books that he's put together, and his name is John Lanza. He is the creator and chief mammal of the Money Mammals and the author of The Art of Allowance. And what his goal is, is to help parents and grandparents, is to have a fun way to teach kids how to be money savvy, money literate, that many times we find out is not actually happening in the school. So with that, John, I welcome you to Smart Money Questions. Hey, Matt, I'm glad to be here. This is exciting. Well, listen, um, can you help me understand how, like what drove you to put this together? Kind of take us back through the history and when you started and the different things and what your real goal in doing this is. Well, it started with our kids. So my wife and I, I have two kids, the oldest of which is uh, 16 now. So back when she was six months old, my wife and I, we knew one of the things we wanted to teach her and eventually her sister was money smarts. And we weren't sure exactly how to do it because my wife, both of us grew up in frugal families, which was good. And we know that that's important um, in terms of generating money smart behaviors. But for whatever reason, I was more of the spender and my wife was more of the saver. I mean, she's the person at age 24, bought her own Jeep Wrangler in cash, you know, I was leasing cars like an idiot and, (laughs) um, you know, it's just, and, and I, you know, I bought a computer on credit when I first moved out to Los Angeles where I'm from, just doing a lot of dumb things that eventually learned more money, smart behaviors, but we felt like we didn't want to leave it up to chance with our kids. And so we came up with this idea. My, my natural reaction to this was because I came from entertainment and education was let's make it fun. Let's take something that on its face is kind of boring, money smart learning. I mean, every if you sat down with a five-year-old and said, hey, let's learn about money smarts, they're just going to you know, roll their eyes and walk away. But our idea was, well, let, let's make it fun for them. And so that's how we came up with this the money mammals and it's Joe the monkey and pigs, the bank and their friends and they play music and sing songs and teach kids about the basics of money, like sharing and saving and spending smart. So the whole idea is to get kids excited about this idea that we all know kids get excited about spending money because they see that everywhere they look, there's media telling them to consume all over. So why not use the same approach, media, make it fun for them and get them excited about something else like saving money and sharing money, uh, which is charitable giving in the case of the money mammals. And then when they're spending, we call it spending smart. So they're being mindful of their spending. And that's how we came up with the money mammals. I just love that. How early would you recommend and what has been your experience on like how young can they be to really start learning those principles? Well, the best way to think about it is kind of the way that we approach reading for kids. So we read to our kids really early before they can obviously understand the words. You know, we were reading to our kids before they were six months old. 
and before they can read back to us. And we now know that that term is called emergent literacy, and that is introducing kids to the basics of literacy from a very young age. So, And when you do that, you set them up to be very strong emergent readers and writers from an earlier age. This is a similar type thing. We want to expose them to the language of money, so spending and sharing and saving from a very young age. So they can be exposed to this, you know, the books that we have and the, and the video from the age of you know, two and, and up. And you know, they're not going to fully understand the difference between you know, what a penny and a dime is, but they're already seeing the language of money. They're going with you to the store, they're seeing money exchanged, or they're seeing you know, magic money with the credit card. They're <laughs> seeing all these things happen, right? And then at some point soon, when they're two or three or four, they're going to start asking questions. And then you want to be able to not ignore those questions. You want to be able to address those questions on some level. So all this is done age appropriately, but you can really start surprisingly young introducing them to the language of money. You actually said something pretty interesting there. And I'm going to ask you specifically, over the course of the last you know 10 years that you've been doing this, and we've been moving out of we've been moving towards a cashless society you know credit cards debit cards has that teaching changed in any way with that process well i think what's really important is that you do have to be explicit it, a kid could potentially not see any physical money exchanged and you definitely want a kid to have tangible cash as you start a program with them. So let's start with the youngest age. Let's say two or three years old. First of all, you might actually exchange money for something and be intentional about it. So you could certainly easily use a credit card, but instead you might pull out a $20 bill and use the $20, get the change back, but have them do that too. So if they may want something, whatever it might be in the store, something inexpensive, let them pick it out, let them give them a dollar, have them exchange the dollar with the cashier, get the change back. This isn't about counting the change. This is really just about understanding that this is what happens in a transaction. And then, you know, as they get older, you can kind of change, you can get into more depth about the transaction. But, and then at some point, once they become, say, five years old, then you're going to start up an allowance where they have their own money. But I think you do have to be intentional about it because so much of our transaction history at this point is invisible to the kid. Um, aside from the fact that you're walking in with nothing and walking out with something and right. they don't see what was exchanged to get that something. So you do have to be somewhat explicit about it, especially if you're primarily using a credit card or Apple pay or whatever it might be for your purchases. Yeah. So even while we still have the ability to put cash in our hands, it definitely is important for them to see you're walking in with a 20 and you're only coming out with a five and change. That's yeah, the exactly. idea, right? Yeah, it's definitely because it looks magic, and I think I've, I've heard this story where the the parent says, "Well, we you know we don't have the money for that right now," and the kid will turn to him and say, "Well, just go to the machine and just get some just get right. some money out of there," not thinking that money has to go in to something in order to get that money out. They're just like, "Just go get to the machine and go get that money out, so I can get you know whatever toy or candy that I want right now." We shouldn't expect them to understand right. <laughs> that money has to go in for you to take money out, right? So the art of allowance, and we think about money going in. So the allowances, they're going to see the money coming in to them. What age do you start to teach that? And are there certain things that are 
required for that allowance. I know when I was growing up, allowance was directly tied to weekly chores. Is that something that is still relevant today or is there a different approach? Well, we don't advocate for chores and here's the reason why. So the purpose of the allowance is to teach kids to become responsible with money, right? So you want to get them to be money comfortable and then eventually money empowered. And what I mean by that is really just to learn to use money as a tool. So the simplest way to start an allowance for say a five-year-old is you set up the three jars. You have your share jar for charitable giving, you have your save jar for longer term items, and then you have your spend smart jar. And then you give them, let's say, $5. So this is a basic allowance for a five-year-old. So it's a dollar per week per age of the child. So for the five-year-old, they get $5. You require them to put $1 into the save jar. You require them to put $1 into the share jar. The idea behind that is with the save jar, you're teaching them to pay themselves first. And then with a share jar, you're teaching them that giving back is something that you value as a family. So money kind of equates to the values you're trying to teach your kids. And then the other three go into the spend smart jar and they can use that for whatever items that they want to get. But you need to be very explicit with them about the purpose of the allowance to say, especially when you first start and when you're giving it to them weekly, say, I'm giving you this so that you can become smart with money. This is your money. You're gonna use it to get the things that you want. And now chores, you know, people a lot of times uh, want to tie this to chores. They teach a different lesson. So chores teach you that you have to work in order to earn money. Great lesson, different lesson. Allowance is teaching you how to get comfortable using money, making choices, setting and saving for goals, understanding the difference between needs and wants. That's the purpose of an allowance. Chores teach you a different lesson. So The basic chores around the house, you really shouldn't necessarily be paying your kids for those because they need to do those things, whether it's clearing the table, making your bed, those kind of things. You would have them do those whether you paid them or not. So those shouldn't necessarily be tied to money. Now, if you want to teach them that work is required to earn money, then you can give them above and beyond chores, some people call them, but whatever it might be. It might be washing the car or helping you wash the car, depending on how what your age is, doing some yard work, you know, various things that you wouldn't require them to do as being a member of the household and then pay them and then they learn that lesson. But it's just important to understand that chores teach one lesson, allowance teaches a different lesson. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, it, that's a real good point. And that actually reminds me, I remember the way I was brought up as early as like second, third grade, we did have the chores. It was split up between my sister and I, but then we got an allowance with that. But then what was interesting is when we got to middle school, so my middle school started in seventh grade, and then they gave us a monthly allowance. We still had to do the chores, but the allowance dramatically jumped up. But now the requirement was... That's your money for your school lunches, if you want to go out on the weekend to a movie, or if you have anything else except for extracurriculars. So I always played sports, so my parents would take care of that. But like if I wanted, and I got a clothing allowance at the beginning of school and then again at the beginning of the second uh, semester. But if I wanted anything extra, it had to come from that monthly. And that continued all the way through high school where what it really taught me because trust me in the first couple of months I made a mistake and I was taking lunch the last two weeks <laughs> of the month right but it, it yeah. started to teach me the budgeting process and I still had to do those but chores and but I didn't necessarily 
every now and then it would be extra chores. But for the most part, they were teaching me the idea of budgeting. So when, when you're doing the, the save and share and then spend smart too, when do you start to transition where you're wanting them to see the spending smart as a budgeting idea? Well, it's funny. Your parents do exactly what we advocate in our system and what, we, and, and what we do with our kids. So yeah, once they become tweens or teens, so tweens or teens, so somewhere between 10 and 12, uh, depending how long you've been doing the cash allowance with them as uh, younger kids. So our kids did it from five to roughly age 10, 11. We transition them, we call it the breakthrough allowance, but it's exactly what you're talking about. So now one, they get it in a lump sum at the beginning of the month. And so they're getting, you know, I th- there's a survey out now by the AICPA and the, the average allowance is $30 a week, which is about what we're doing. So it's they're getting about $125 per month. But it's important to give it to them monthly because like you said, they have to learn to budget over the course of the month. And they have a lot. Now people who would look at that and just say, whoa, $120, are you crazy? You say, okay, but here are the responsibilities. They have to get all their own clothes, all their gifts for their friends. If they go out to have, you know, uh, something with their food with their friends, they have to pay for that. And they have to pay for their phone, the extra that we get charged. So all those things are now covered by an allowance. And most parents, your first reaction might be, wow, that's a lot of money if you're not doing an allowance. But almost always people are paying more than that money if they're doing it out of pocket. They're just not paying attention to it. So it's not an additional line item. It's just now you're giving them control over it. Guess what? The other big advantage of that is one, they are much more cognizant of their own money. And two, they're going to, like you said, they're going to make some mistakes, but they're making those mistakes in a very low stakes environment. This is when you want them to make mistakes with money, not when they go in and they're making you know, huge decisions with regard to much larger loans, you want to make these smaller mistakes so they can learn from them. You know, I had someone tell me it's all relative. I'm sure at the time, if they don't have the $25 <laughs> to pay you for their phone and you put it on suspend, that's a big life-changing moment for them right then. <laughs> it's so that's a true. high stakes for them. But I, I completely understand <laughs> uh, what you're saying. And it's so right. If they, if they learn that then, like I still remember making those mistakes when I was in seventh grade and uh, having to get up early every morning and making my own lunch. And and my lunch was never as good as what was being served, right? Let me shift also. You're talking about how they're, they're learning. Just, I want to just say one thing, Matt, sure. about the mistakes because I was making those mistakes in my 20s. Right. Because I wasn't, we didn't have a, my parents were divorced, terrific parents, but they're, especially once, once they were divorced, there's just not a continuity of plans. So this was just not something that we were taught. So you had to learn it trial by fire, but the trial by fire was in a much higher stakes environment. So that's the advantage of doing it younger. So I'm sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> no, but it, but you're correct. I was being uh, funny with that. But it is relative to make sure that if they can learn and, quite frankly, deal with some pain when they make those mistakes at 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, that then yep. hopefully that has stuck in their head and they're not making that at 25, 35, or, or 45. Let me bounce back. And when you talk about share, save, and spend, I love the idea of the share aspect. So when they have been saving, let's say for a little while, and now they have stuff in that share jar, what's the conversation on how you're teaching them to 
be passionate givers and and how are they coming to choose where they want to share that money? Well, I'll give you an example that just happened this morning. So in this case, my daughters go to school. They have this kind of walk, which is a fundraiser that they do. And so they have a digital allowance. She wanted some of the money from that to give to their school. So we were able to take that money that she had been already allocated for share, take that money, and I just deducted it from her digital account and then gave her a check that she could bring to the school. The reason that the share jar or bucket in this case is important is because if you don't have that, then she's kind of weighing the opportunity cost of the $30 that she could spend over the $30 that she's now giving to charity. When you automate that, she just has the money in her account. So you're kind of taking away the decision-making process, so should I spend this or should I share this? She has the money. So now she just has to take it from the share account and bring it into the, um, to give it to whatever cause she's giving it to. In this case, it happens to be the school, but there are other causes, obviously, plenty of causes that she can give them to. But the key is deducting that and having them understand that this is something that they want to develop a habit over, you know, over the course of their lifetime so that they always have that money so that when something comes up, they can just grab from the account. They're not making a decision, oh, I could use this to go have coffee with my friend or I could use this to, no, that is money that you have allocated for share. That's really the strength of that share jar is you eliminate the opportunity cost issue uh, that you have if you don't have it allocated separately. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And let me ask you, I recently had somebody on what her passion is, is uh, she's actually a certified financial planner, but she goes out now and she helps people understand how they can give and not disrupt their normal lifestyle and or estate planning. And she has a book called Give to Live. And mm-hmm. let me ask you, when you have Uh, When you've seen with your own kids that they give, one of the things that we're seeing now, and she brought to my attention, is statistically is the idea, and there's a great TED Talk on this, about money can't buy you happiness. And his comment, he's a Harvard professor. He said, well, you're just not using it in the right way. And he talked about Mm -hmm. how people are happier when they're giving instead of spending on themselves. So have have you had that conversation with your kids where you can directly see that she feels better taking that check to school? You know, I'm not entirely sure that that is what's happening with her yet. I think what's good is that she knows she has the money, so she's empowered in that in that regard. And I, I know the TED Talk you're talking about because that's Dan Gilbert who wrote Stumbling on Happiness, which is a terrific book. And there's another book called Happy Money, uh, which is by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. And it addresses the same type of thing, which is that you can use your money strategically to make you happier. So money doesn't make you happy, but if you use it in the right ways and they give you five different strategies, you can in fact make yourself happier. One of the strategies is tied to exactly what Dan Gilbert is talking about, which is that sharing money is, you know, that is definitely something that will improve your happiness. Yeah, I was pretty amazed. Uh, And actually, you said the other gentleman, the TED Talk I saw was, uh, his last name was Norton, you just mentioned. And statistically- Michael Michael Norton. Michael, yeah. So it was, it doesn't matter. The interesting thing was the study he had was over 200,000 people worldwide. And it didn't matter where you were is, (laughs) it was, it doesn't matter if you're in Africa or Europe or here. 
it all is that way. And I think that is, uh, and you're right, she might not see it now. She's still weighing the opportunity costs that you were just talking about. But it is something, I think, with the fact that they are learning this. And uh, one of the things that we did with regards to sharing is we gave the kids, and we did this for about five years when they were younger, we would go out and actually buy Toys for Tots, but they got their own money to go into Toys R Us to actually buy the stuff, and then we took it to where they were collecting that. And I was amazed just uh, that they were going to go buy, and they could think about who they were buying it for, what the age was, you know, girl or boy, as to what they were doing. So I think that's really important, and I like that your program that's the first thing it talks about is share, then save, and then spend. So then we're spending on ourselves on the latter part or the lowest priority. Yeah, I uh, think it's a good – I mean, their school requires them to do service hours. And I, I think you want to have both of those things going on. Is there th- You want them to understand that giving both money and time are ways that they can give back. And they can both be powerful – with regard to the giving of money, I think at this age, what you're trying to do, I mean, you're going to have your kids who are just, you know, there are kids that I've talked to parents where they don't want to spend any of the money. They want to give, they want to give to charities and that's great. But what you're trying to do with most kids is build these habits so that when they leave the nest, the really important lesson for kids to learn is that anytime they receive any money, they are making choices, whether they're making a conscious choice to split that money into three buckets or not, is they're still making a choice. So you want them to be aware that they're making those choices so that when she moves out, when she's out of the house, then they start thinking like, oh yeah, I got to make sure that I've got, and of course we're going to be reminding them, but they've built those habits over time. So now they will have that share bucket and they'll have that save bucket. That's what we're trying to do is build these behaviors so that they become the kind of kids that are the ones who always put money away for saving and sharing so that they have the money to be able to give to charity. Well, and I think the other thing it will teach them is how to be self-sufficient with their own money so they get out of the house quicker. (laughs) (laughs) I like the practical approach. (laughs) They're not 30, right? They're not 30 still down in the basement. Um, So true, Matt. Let me, uh, I know that you work with credit unions. Help me understand how you're working with them and what the program looks like. Yeah. So credit unions, you know, one of the things that they're very focused on doing is providing financial literacy for their membership. And this is one of the areas where they need the most help. And that is for the youth, because, you know, there's plenty of programs for young adults, adults, but there's not that much for the kids. And the one thing that I have learned is that 100% of parents answer yes to the question, do you want to raise your kids to be money smart? Now, not all of them have thought about it until they hear that question. But as soon as they realize that this is something that they should be teaching their kids, they realize there's tremendous value in that. And so that's what we provide to the credit unions is a program that helps get the kids excited about this. The Art of Allowance materials provide a plan for parents to capture that excitement and turn it into real-life learning because no matter what you teach a kid in school or 
and however you're going to get them excited or educated about money, they are not going to learn. That's abstract until they physically have money with which they can learn, make mistakes, and practice. And so that's the reason an allowance matters is that kids need to have money in order to learn how to become money comfortable and eventually hopefully money empowered. Right. And so uh, when you're going out and working with these credit unions, are they simply buying the art of allowance and giving it to their members? Are you conducting workshops, whether it's virtually or in person? What's that look like to get that information out to their members? Yeah, it's all it's different things. So the, the credit unions will a lot almost all of them will go into schools with the Money Mammals program to get kids excited. And then when they sign up families, they will talk to not only the kids, but they'll talk to the parents and say, you know, here are the materials that you that are available to you to help you create a system for your kids. So that's that's what the credit unions like about the program is that it's a kind of holistic program that allows them to get into the schools in their community, reach the kids in their community, and reach not only the kids, but the full families and the parents. And that's where it's really powerful because, you know, one of the things that any institution like that is trying to do is drive loyalty. And most of them spend their time going after teenagers because that's, you know, the teenagers and millennials, you know, that's the big marketing hot topic. But the fact is parents, and certainly there are millennial parents, but but there's also you know, Gen X parents, millennial parents, those are the ones that with whom you can drive serious loyalty because you're providing them now a service that's not just for them, but it's for what's the most important thing in their in their lives, which is their kids. Right. Yeah, that's it's real and, and how many credit unions, if you don't mind me asking, are, are you working with? Uh, we work with uh, 20 credit unions across the U.S. Wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. I think this is great, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a plug right here. So everyone, if you want to go out and check out his information, he's at themoneymammals.com, and that's you have the entire empowerment kit there that parents and or grandparents can buy. And then you also have the Art of Allowance book, which is also on Amazon, but you also have your own website for that, correct? That's correct. Yes, Matt. Yeah. So you can get, you guys can go right there and check that out. I'm going to make sure to have links to that on our show notes page, along with the different ways to connect with John. He's more than happy to talk. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'll ask you, John, um, do you also work with other, other organizations like church organizations or parent-teacher uh, associations, those type of things, or is it primarily with the credit unions? Yeah, we've done presentations to all different types of organizations, so we're certainly open to that. Okay, and you also have a podcast as well. What's the name of that podcast? I do. That's called the Art of Allowance Podcast, and it's on. I'm sure it's on all the Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of that stuff. It is. It's everywhere. I'm not sure if we're on iHeart, but we are certainly on Stitcher and um, and Radio Public. Good deal. Okay. Well, listen, I want to appreciate or I appreciate you being on the call or on the call. Yeah, we are calling because he's in California and I'm in Philly. (laughs) (laughs) But being on the show, uh, I think this is great information. So everyone, make sure that you go out and check this. I think it'd be great for you to buy this, especially our clients and our listeners. Uh, Get this in the hands of the parents to get them as young as, what did you say, two, three years old, where they can start learning about this. And as you said also, I'm going to 
quote you as it's the low stakes game then it's not the high stakes game that sometimes we make mistakes in our our 20s and 30s so john thanks again for being on the show and everyone i want to just let you know that if you have any questions scenarios or somebody you would like for us to interview you can simply email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com or go to smartmoneyquestions.com there's a form there you can fill out and it comes right to us and if you have something that you would just like to speak to me directly about, you can go to my online calendar. That's at either smartmoneyquestions.com or speakwithmatt.com, and you can schedule a 15- or a 30-minute conference call there. So again, I thank you guys for being here. John, I really enjoyed this interview. I appreciate you and um, really want to thank you for putting this information out there and coming on our show today. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you having me on the show and uh, spreading this message to parents, kids, and grandparents. It's terrific. I had a lot of fun. Great. Well, listen, everyone, I hope this has been valuable and you've gotten something out of it today. Everyone take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.